In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. You know, if you ever enjoy the idea of time travel, then Advent is just the season for you because it really is incredible how time takes on a very different meaning in Advent than it does in practically any other sector of our lives. Now, of course, I wouldn't be Father Smith without being the Advent Grinch, of course, so here's my Advent Grinch uh, ad for today's sermon. You know, we've reduced the ancient fast of preparation for the commemoration of our Lord's birth into this kind of anemic, generic holiday season in which we actually have to remind people that Jesus is the reason for the season. And I think that says a lot about our culture. But for those of us who are Catholic Christians, Advent in many ways is really the most wonderful time of the year. There's so much that's going on as part of our Advent journey because it's entering into the idea of how our Lord comes to us. Now, very often we think of when Jesus comes back at the end of time, calling it the second coming, right? But if you look at particularly the medieval theologians, very often they talk about not just the second coming of Christ, but the three comings of Christ. St. Bernard of Clairvaux, whose poem De Contemptu Mundi is one of the most beautiful pieces of literature from the entire Middle Ages, once preached, in the first coming, he comes in the flesh and in weakness. In the second, he comes in spirit and in power. In the third, he comes in glory and majesty. And the second coming is the means whereby we pass from the first to the third. Another medieval writer, Peter Blois, explains it this way, and I'm going to quote extensively from him because it really is quite fantastic. There are three comings of our Lord, the first in the flesh, the second in the soul, and the third at judgment. The first was at midnight, according to those words of the gospel. At midnight there was a cry made, Lo, the bridegroom comes. But this first coming is long since past, for Christ has been seen on the earth and has conversed among men. We are now in the second coming, provided that we are such as that he may come to us. For he has said that if we love him, he will come to us and take up his dwelling within us. So that this second coming is full of uncertainty for us. For who save the Spirit of God knows those that truly are of God. They that are raised out of themselves by a desire for heavenly things know indeed when he comes. But when he comes, that they do not know. As for the third coming, it is most certain that it will be, most uncertain when it will be, for nothing is more sure than death and nothing less sure than the hour of death. When they shall say peace and security, says the apostle, then shall sudden destruction come upon them as the pains upon her that is with child, and they shall not escape. 
so that the first coming was humble and hidden. The second is mysterious and full of love. The third will be majestic and terrible. In his first coming, Christ was judged by men unjustly. In his second, he renders us just by his grace. In his third, he will judge all things, will justice. In his first, a lamb. In his last, a lion. In the one in between the two, the tenderest of friends. I want you to think about how beautiful that image is. We are in that in-between time, and that is when our Lord comes to us not as a lamb and not as a lion, but as the tenderest of friends. Advent is about discovering our friendship with Christ, of renewing that relationship with Jesus. The praying church during the season of Advent watches and waits for all three comings of Christ, borrowing from the prophets those expressions of longing for the coming of the Savior, of the Messiah. But the church is not content just to prepare for an historical anniversary of the great miracle of the Incarnation, the coming of God as man. As much as we prepare to celebrate that historical anniversary of the birth of the Prince of Peace, we look even beyond that towards the future time when there will be no more time, when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords gathers up everything in himself whether it be at the end of our time, when we stand before him in the particular judgment, or whether it be at the end of all time, in the general judgment. Now, one of the images of Advent which is so compelling, but which is also kind of difficult to wrap our mind around, is this image of the lion and the lamb together. You know, maybe you have. I've never seen in the wild a lion and a lamb hanging out together, right? They would seem to be natural enemies. But Isaiah chapter 11 verse 6 prophesies, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall, die, shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together and a little child shall lead them. A time of peace, when there will be no natural enemies, because violence and hate will be conquered by the Christ child and his princely reign of love. And that prophecy is already fulfilled in the vision that John has in Revelation chapter 5. One of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. 
And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. the lion of the tribe of Judah, the symbolic representation of the hope for a messianic kingdom, is one with the lamb who is sacrificed, led to the slaughter for our sins. In other words, it is only in Christ that the lions and the lambs in our lives can be reconciled. I'm going to say that one more time because it really is incredibly powerful. It is in Christ Jesus, in Him alone, that the lions and the lambs in our lives can be reconciled. So I want you to ask yourself a question this afternoon. I want you to put yourself before our Lord and ask yourself, what are the lambs that you have in your lives? You know, those things that are kind of cute and cuddly and fuzzy and warm and wonderful and amazing. I don't know, maybe tasty as well, right? What are those lambs that bring you joy in your life? And what are the lions that you're facing right now? You know, those lions that you can have a lot of respect for from a distance, right? That are majestic and awesome, but also you're kind of afraid that they might tear you entirely apart if you get too close to them. What are the lions that you are facing in your life right now? And do you have that faith in Christ Jesus that He can reconcile all of those lambs and all of those lions in your life? Do you know that he can do that in your life if you let him? Peter of Blois reminds us that it is only in Christ that we have our truest friend, the one who shows us not only the price of love, but how love restores in us the very image and likeness of God that love which makes lions and lambs at peace within our souls and within the entire world. 